Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, how many of you would agree with me, and some of you would, and some of you wouldn't, that the toughest relationships we have are the ones we have with something we call family. Amen? Come on. See, some of you are laughing right now because you know we're about to go into it. It's with family because at least every single one of us have at least one crazy family member in our family, all right? Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for your participation, okay? I want you to be real honest with yourselves. Even online, you can even do it online. But how many of you would be bold enough to say there's at least one crazy person in your family? At least one. Raise your hand. Keep it up. 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 Raise it. Stop knocking people next to you. Okay. All right. Look at you. Keep it up. Keep it up. I want you to look around right now. Okay. Look around. All of everybody has crazy families right now. Okay. And if you didn't raise your hand, you're probably the crazy family member. Everybody knows that. Just know. But if we're really all honest in here, we all have that level of dysfunction in our families. Amen? There is a level of dysfunction that is either conflict or strife or tension in some sort of family relationship. And it can be tough to deal with because it's still family. Now, many of you might be saying this, well, Pastor Chris, the dysfunctional relationships in my family, it's not my fault. Here's what I have to say to you. You're still a part of that crazy family, though. So... You don't get to remove yourself from it. And the problem that we have is we can slip into what I call dysfunctional cycles in our family. Dysfunctional cycles. That we can tend sometimes to go into these dysfunctional cycles that keep going round and round and round in our family relationships. The ones we're supposed to be the closest to. We get into these dysfunctional. Uh, Let me give you an example. And this is a childish one, but I want to make a point. Is that you, if you've had kids, you've had your kids wrestle on the bed. Mine have too. And, 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 and I remember one time, you know, they locked. One guy had it in a headlock. The other one had it by, the, by the, the waist. And they're wrestling together. And they both come tumbling down, right? Smack, hit the floor. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't want to go to the hospital. I want to have to pay a hospital bill, please. You know? And they get up and they go, he hurt me. No, he hurt me. And they look at each other. They smile. And they say, let's do it again, you know? How many of you would admit that that seems sometimes to be the pattern in our family relationships? Where we go, you hurt me. No, you hurt me. And then you all of a sudden go, let's do it again. You see, sometimes our family relationships aren't characterized by peace, but by strife and chaos. And we get into this pattern of dysfunction. For some of you, I'm not sure what it looks like for you. But for some of you, it may be you're trying to raise your kids right now. You're a mom and you feel like your mother keeps looking over your shoulder and you're like, stay out of this mom, right? Or even worse, if it's a mother-in-law, hello, right? And they're trying, they're eyeing how you're raising your kids and what you're saying to them and how you need to make your sandwiches this way and cut them into triangles, not squares, right? That's weird, right? All these things. And she's almost hawking over you, and there seems to be tension between you and your mother or your mother-in-law. 
Maybe for some of you, it's, you're just your own kids. They fight all the time. You can never seem to have peace in your house. It feels like they're at each other's throats. You're in the car and you're saying things that you heard your parents say that you thought you would never say, like, I'm about to pull this car over if you don't stop right now. And then you start to go to counting because you can't think of anything else to do because as parents, we just start counting. One, two, like magically something happens at three. Then you keep going like four and a half. I don't know how you got beyond three. You can count to 40 all you want. And at the end of the day, you just go and take a bubble bath and let them fight because you don't know what else to do. There's no peace. Or maybe you are the kid in your family. You're the teenager. And you're looking at your parents and you're thinking to yourself, my parents will never trust me. They're always breathing down my neck. They're so controlling. There is no peace. It's always strife. You're always butting heads. Maybe for some in here this morning, you have a blended home. And you feel like you're raising his kids, your kids, their kids, everyone's kids. The exes are involved. And you're wondering how could there ever be peace in all of these moving parts? And finally, for some of you, to this day, you've never forgiven your mom and your dad for what has happened years and years and years ago. And there seems to be this wedge in between you and your father and your mother because of something that happened when you were little. Today, I believe, listen to me, I have tremendous expectation that God is going to heal in this service. I believe that, not because I'm good enough, because he is faithful. Because I want to talk to you this morning of how we can, listen to me, how we can have peace in some of the most difficult yet rewarding relationships that we are stuck with and that we love but we hate at the same time, and that is family. So this morning, I want us to turn, if you're ready, if you have a Bible, you can. If not, you can follow up on the screen. Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, we enter into this wonderful discourse of, called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' most famous sermon. So think about it. If there's one sermon that you preach, this was Jesus' most famous sermon, his one sermon that is just idealized. That it's like, wow, that is Jesus to the T. And it goes on Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But we see here that Jesus is teaching and he begins listing. The first thing he does is begin listing those who are blessed. You guys are maybe familiar with it. He begins listing off about eight attributes. And these are values in the kingdom of God to live by. These are values. And really that word blessed really means happy. How many of you want to be happy in here? Say, I want a happy relationship. Well, this is what Jesus talks about. That if you are a born again child of God living in the kingdom of God, then this is our response. This is how we're happy. This is what happens. And he begins listing them out. But I just want to focus on one today. Just focus on one that I believe will begin to speak to our family relationships here and now. Here's what it says, Matthew 5, 9. And this is where we're going to land. Here's what he says. Jesus is talking. He said, blessed are the what? That was so weak. We are going to do this all day if you don't get up. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. You know, what's interesting here is that Jesus is clearly referring to relationships. And you're going, how do you know that, Pastor Chris? Because listen to me, you don't make peace with your dog, your cat, your job, or your car. Amen? 
I'm going to make peace with my car right now because it is giving me trouble. It doesn't work like that. You don't make peace with anything other than people. And Jesus knew that people, especially family, is the ones we need to make peace with the most. We have to make peace with them. Because, listen to this, isn't that what we want in our family relationships, peace? Now, when Jesus said this, it's like, man, this is great, Pastor Chris. Yes, I've heard that before, and it sounds wonderful. But to a first century Jew, this was a shocking statement. That if you were a Jew in that time, you grew up learning this law, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You repaid evil with evil. So when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the child of God, this is a huge statement. Because the children of God were those that were Jews, that were descendants. You had to be born into that bloodline, but he's saying you, be, you can be a child of God, not by your bloodline, but by your peacemaking. This is huge. So it is a giant statement that Jesus is saying here, that he's saying, I want you to live in your relationships to a higher standard if you're following Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, when we talk about peace, we, we tend to think like that, that, that we're just the absence of harm. We just want peace in our house. We just don't want any fighting. That's not the peace that Jesus wants to give you today. The peace that he wants to give you, the peace that he's saying that we need to make is not an absence of trouble or strife. Listen to me, with that word shalom, that means he, Jesus wants the highest good and the highest peace for our relationships. Whereas some of you are wanting to settle for just surviving, Jesus said, I want you to thrive in your family relationships. I want to give you shalom peace. That is the peace that is only comes from God that we can begin to make as children of God. Now, before we move any further, I want you to understand something. Jesus didn't say, I want you to be a peacekeeper. He said, I want you to be a peacemaker. Now, for the longest time, I was so guilty of being a peacekeeper, right? Being that guy that's like, eh, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Let's just like, let's not say anything. It's all under the blood, right? We, all, we cover everything over and we begin to kind of look at it as such. And, but there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Let me give you two things really quickly. Is this, peacekeepers often avoid conflict to keep the peace. Some of you are going, amen. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? No. And I know some of you are like tensing up right now. Those of you who are introverts, who hate confrontation, who can't stand difficult conversations and just go, I don't want conflict. I just want to keep everything good. It's the mama that, that tries to get all the, all the kids together, but they're all fighting against one another. And they come to the dinner table and she's like, hey, for one hour on Mother's Day, can we not fight, please? You know? Can we just be really good, act like a family? Can we act like a family? And you put on this show and everybody keeps the peace. No one wants to deal with anything, but you're at the table and you're smiling, but underneath there's tension just brewing. And what happens is you end up sweeping everything under the rug, hoping that it goes away. It never does. It just gets covered up. And it's almost like a can soda can that you shake up really hard, right? It can only stay in there for so long. And then right when one little puncture comes in, what happens? It explodes. Some of you, you've experienced this yourself or you've experienced it through other people. 
is when you sweep things under the rug and try to just keep the peace, what happens? You explode over the smallest thing. Well, I told you, you shouldn't have done it. And you do this, you always do that, you never. And all of a sudden you're wondering like, we're talking about pasta. Why are you accusing me of not loving you five years ago? Like, what's going on? And this explosion happens, why? Because you were trying to keep the peace instead of making the peace. And that peace that you experience as a peacekeeper is not real peace. It's just dirt that's just under the rug, but it's still dirt there that you never deal with. Now, the difference that Jesus says, I want you to be a peacemaker. What do peacemakers do? Peacemakers will embrace conflict to make peace. This is so tough for us because we love our family and we think that, man, we want to go around the issue. I don't want to hurt any feelings. You see, peacemakers don't go around it. They work on it and they work through it until the Prince of Peace comes and rests his peace on it, not your peace. And this is huge. This is what peacemakers do. The Apostle Paul spells it pretty clearly. He capitalizes on Jesus's teaching in Matthew 5 and he explains it to the church at Rome. Here's what he says in Romans 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Remember, the Jews would have learned. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Here's what he says. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And here's the power in verse 18. If it is possible, hold those words. I'm gonna come back to those. If it is possible, as far as it depends on, say it that louder, you, As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There's some of you in here, right here and now, I can just sense it. You're going, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. They need it so badly. Or or even like you're like uh, online, they're like, I'm sending this to someone right now. And you know, or you're nudging someone going, are you paying attention? Are you taking notes? Let's stop for a moment. Let God speak to you. The Bible says as far as it is with you, peacemaking has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with you. You make peace. If you're a child of God, you make peace. You strive for peace. You do everything not to avoid the conflict, but to steer into it so that you can make peace. And I love how Paul said, if it is possible, don't mistake, a pe- don't, don't mistake peacemaking for peace achieving. Don't mistake peacemaking for peace achieving. What's the difference? Sometimes we think because we're peacemakers, there has to be peace that happens. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, if it is possible, as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We, there are gonna be some family relationships, listen to me, that you won't be able to live at peace with, but that doesn't mean we stop making peace with them. You, have, you don't have the right to walk out, listen to me, when your kids make unwise choices. You don't have the right, listen to me, in your marriage to walk out if you're a born-again believer because it gets tough. Your job is to make peace, to make it, and then God begins to hover his supernatural peace upon us, because then he says this in verse 21, he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? 
with good. That's how we're going to be different. That's how we're going to be peacemaking in our relationships, in our family. And what do we do? So you might be going, Pastor Chris, well, what do we do? How can I do that? How can I be a peacemaker and make peace? What do peacemakers do? We're going to go through three things and we're going to close this morning. Next 10 minutes is the first thing that a peacemaker does is write this down. The first thing they do is a peacemaker tells the truth in love. You might be going, that's, I do that every day, but you don't do it in love. You know, what's interesting is, is it's, I said, tell the truth in love, not yell the truth in love, right? Some of you are going, well, you always do that. You always look at me with that weird eye you have, right? You, you just, I'm telling the truth, pastor. That's what I'm doing. You told me, pastor told me to tell. I didn't say yell the truth. I said, tell the truth, Okay. Because the Bible says it very clearly here in Ephesians 4. Paul says it again. Instead, we speak the truth in love. Growing. Meaning when you speak the truth in love, you're growing in every way to become more like Christ. What I love about Jesus, he always spoke the truth and he always did it in love. In every confrontation, in every conflict, he always spoke the truth. And he always did it in love. The problem is most of us don't know how to do it in love. But I love what Dr. D says. He says, love is always the best delivery for the system of truth, isn't it? Love is always the best delivery system for truth. So can I help you this morning on how to deliver truth? No one wants to know. Okay, I'm gonna do it anyway. I don't care. Who wants to know? How, hey, help me deliver truth, Pastor Chris. Okay, good. In love, First thing is this. This is huge. Truth telling in love always happens best during non-conflict times. So men, look at me. If a shoe is flying by your head, don't you dare tell your wife she's always late for appointments, okay? Well, I'm just truth telling, Pastor. It needs to be during unemotional times because when you're emotional, you're irrational. You're defensive, And you begin to do it. But when there's non-conflict, there's times that you get to work on your marriage and on your relationships. Don't go to mama and them and tell them the truth when it's during conflict. You do it when you're over a meal. You do it when you're sitting down over coffee. You work on the important issues during non-conflict times. This is huge because we make the mistake of telling the truth in the heat of the battle. And how many know Men, look at me. It's never received that way. Watch this. Parents, even with your kids, especially with your kids, if you're only correcting them and coaching them when they do something wrong, you've missed parenting. You parent ahead, not behind. Watch this. In all of our family relationships, get ahead and address things in non-conflict time. Tell the truth in love during non-conflict times. The second way to tell the truth is this. Confront the issue, not the person. Confront the issue, not the person. Don't talk about the person. Talk about the issue that the person has. There's a difference. My wife does this so good. I'm telling you, she is a non-conflict person, except when it comes to family. She will be in conflict. And she does this so very well. 
She does it so well. I, I remember at early on in, in my ministry and what, what God was doing here, I was trying to figure out how to be a pastor, a husband, how to, how, to, how to help the sheep and pray for them and love them, but also how to lead my family. And I was just trying to balance everything a long time ago. And so she, she would just go, hey, can you just tell me when you're gonna be home so I can have dinner ready? I can do, you know, I can make sure the kids, everything else is good. Can you just let me know and then be home at that time? And I was like, yeah, easy, done. And so I would show up, maybe we said five o'clock and I would pull into the garage at five o'clock and, and I was home, but I was in my car on the phone dealing with just crazy people. Y'all, I love you, but you're crazy. I love it. <laughs> and so I'd be on the phone till like six, 6.30. Now I was home, but I wasn't home. And my wife just so graciously, I didn't realize it. And my wife so graciously prayed on it for a few days. And then with the food a plate in front of me, when it, we were at dinner, she knows how to get to my heart, right? And she just said, hey, when you come home, she goes, please help me understand. This is a phrase we use all the time. Please help me understand why you think coming home is parking in the garage being on the, on the phone. And she said this, it makes me feel like you don't value me as a, as a wife and a mom when that happens. Now, that's hard to hear, and every, every, my hands want to go up and just start fighting right now, right? But I know she's doing it in love. And when we use that term, help me understand, it begins to show me that she's talking about the issue. She's not talking about me. Husbands, wives, moms, dads, uncles, aunties, use that. Hey, help me understand why you keep stuffing dirty dishes back into the drawer, right? Please help me understand why you can't pick up your dirty underwear and throw it five feet into this basket right here, right? Please help me understand why you can't put the toilet seat down. Now watch this. Doesn't that, that more attacks the issue, not the person. That's peacemaking. You are going at it and attacking it because conflict, listen to me, breeds intimacy. And my wife refused to sweep things under the rug and just go, it's okay, I'll adjust around him. She said, no, it's not covered under the blood. I'm gonna make sure we're making peace in this relationship because we are worth it. And your family is worth it. Your family is worth it. For some of you, you're trying to figure out how to tell your wife the truth. You're trying to figure out how to share with your parents that your truth that, hey, you need some boundaries from them. They just can't come over whenever they want unannounced, right? There's verbiage you can use. Hey, help me understand. Hey, when you do this, it makes me feel like this. Attack the issue, not the person, and begin to tell the truth in love. Because blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called the children of God. The second thing that peacemakers do, write this down. They don't just tell the truth in love. Peacemakers repent and apologize when you are wrong. <clears throat> Men, repent and apologize when you are wrong. I love what the brother of Jesus, you know this is good when the brother of Jesus writes something about repenting and confessing. Here's what he says. James 5.16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And then pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. Pause for a moment. Keep that verse up there. What would happen 
if in our family relationships and dynamic, what if we actually live this verse out? What if moms, dads, brothers, sisters, what if we lived out this confession of our sins, right? This owning of our sins and then praying together through them. What do you think would happen? Can I tell you? Healing. We wouldn't walk around and bleed all over people because we would have healing if we confessed our sins and began praying for them. Confession is not reserved for a priest or a pastor. Confession is reserved for the born again child of God who says sin is evil and it blocks me and God's relationship and I want it out. That's confession. And listen, there's no better way to fight the flesh and the pride that we have than through confession. It is one of the greatest attacks that we have against pride and the flesh is confessing our sins, owning up to them. Now, I have to confess one of my sins, and these are the old, this is the old me. I remember when we were back in the NFL, and it was an amazing time. And in that time, I was all about me and making sure my body stayed physically fit as it was a tool, weapon, instrument. That's what it was on, on, on the football field. And it was an amazing time. And I remember coming home and, and, you know, there's nothing better, man, than when you walk through the door and you smell that good home cooking, right? And you're like, this is awesome. And I walk in after a hard, long day with the saints and my body, my, my wife knows how I, I like to take care of my body. And I need a lot of protein to recover protein, you know, really builds the muscles and recover. And so I walk in the door and it smells so delicious. And, and I walk into the kitchen. I'm like, sweetie, this is smells so good. What is the, yeah, this is awesome. Are we going to eat soon? She's like, it's almost done. I'm like, oh, great. I go and sit down and we have this meal together. We don't have any kids at the time. This was a long time ago. And then we're sitting together and, and she puts a bowl in front of me and then pours the soup into it. I'm like, it smells so good. I was like, this is awesome. And so I, I just take a bite. And I'm like, oh, it's awesome. I said, what's next after this? Y'all are laughing now. It's easy to laugh now. I didn't know any better, Okay. And I go, this must good. This is great. I took about, what's after this? And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, no, like, where's the dinner? This is soup. Soup is not dinner. And I started to get a little heated at this point. I'm, remember, I'm hungry. I'm like a child. I'm hungry, anger, angry, lonely, and tired, okay? I'm all of the, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, what? I'm like, is there, is at least bacon in here or something protein-wise? She's like, no, it's just potato soup. I thought it would be like a hearty meal to warm us up on this call. And I looked at her like, like, she, like she was ridiculous. I was like, are you serious right now? And I'm confessing my sins to you guys. I'm just letting it go right now. And I looked at her and I said, it's soup. It's not dinner. Dinner is like you have meat and potatoes, not just potatoes, right? And, and I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at her like she's crazy. And I get so frustrated and I go off and she just... She just sat there very calm and collective and then she started to cry. And I'm telling you, man, I felt so convicted by the Holy Spirit. Now, what I could have done in that moment is I could have just gone like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm, I'm sorry for making you feel bad, but next time you need to have a real meal ready, right? That's not an apology, man. That's just pathetic. No, repentance is actually owning what you did and naming specific attitudes and actions in that moment. It's not just, I'm sorry, 
for something I did. It's, that's not an apology. That's not repentance. It's, hey, I looked at you and I demeaned the value that you have to this family by making dinner in this dinner that you slaved over for hours, even though it's potato soup. But still, <laughs> we call it the potato soup story. Me and my wife know it well, right? But listen, I, I didn't want to make excuses. If we're going to be peacemakers, listen, we have to repent and apologize and own up to the sin that we have committed. You want to know why? We can own up to the sin because we know the sin has already been owned by God. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. And when you're secure in your sonship and daughtership with the Lord, you can, you can confess any of your sins. Because you know that doesn't remove you from the will, the purpose, the glory, and the family of God. We own it. We can't stop at, I'm sorry. There's a difference between remorse and repentance. Remorse is just going, hey, I'm sorry. And we stop there. Repentance is, is going all the way. I'm sorry for being insensitive and dumb and not valuing what you put in front of me as an amazing woman of God. For some of you, it's owning, right? The way that you talk to your mom and dad, own it. Own the way that you talk to your kids. One of the best things that I do with my kids, and I hate doing it, but I do it, is to show them how to repent to get down on their level and to go, hey buddy, I'm so sorry. I, I should have never raised my voice at you. I know that's not the best way to communicate with you and I know it hurts your feelings. And for that, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Do I have to repent to my five-year-old son? Absolutely not. But I want him to know that peacemakers will do whatever it takes to make peace. To make peace. Own it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And finally, number three is this, and here's where we close. What do peacemakers do? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Number three, they forgive and let go. They forgive and they let go. At this point, maybe some of you might be saying, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Chris. Your little pastor problems, your little preacher problems. You might be saying, you don't know the hell that I have been. You didn't live my life. And if you were me, you would never be saying these things. You would never tell me to forgive that person if you knew what they did to me. You're right. I may not have been through what you have been through, but I do understand that betrayal is very difficult to forgive. I do understand that the pain, even though it was 20 years ago, is still really fresh 
in your heart and in your mind and it's hard to move past and you feel like you can't let it go. You feel like you can't forgive because some of you have been betrayed by a spouse through adultery. Lied to time and time again. Maybe you walked in when they were looking at something and you feel betrayed less than devalued. And you're going, how can I forgive him? How can I forgive her after what they have done? Some of you in here, you had a trusted, trusted family member that lied and deceived you and left you in a hard, difficult spot. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it was even spiritually and you can't get past. It's so difficult to forgive them. And finally, I know there are some of you in here, many of you, look at me, who someone in your family should have protected you. Look at me, I'm not demeaning that. I'm not devaluing the evil that happened to you. They should have protected you. And instead they used you and abused you. That's not your fault. And you're right, that's not fair. And you're almost wondering, how in the world, Pastor Chris, do I forgive that? I'm not here this morning to tell you it's easy. I don't think it was easy for God to give up his son. I'm not here to tell you it's easy, but I have to believe on what the word says. I believe that it is doable to forgive even the most evil of things. Because God never put, puts a command in here, listen to me, that we cannot do. It is not in his nature. It is not in his character. And he tells us how to do it through the apostle Paul. He says, bear with one another, Colossians 3. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. This is huge, this is powerful. It's so simple, but it's so hard to do. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. This is peacemakers. Forgive as the Lord forgave It's not interpreted if you feel like it or they deserve it. It's interpreted as forgive as God so lovingly and freely forgave us. Some of you know the story, my story, of my father left when I was two years old. He walked out on me and my mom and my brother and me and my dad, he was around at times and other times he wasn't. And we had a very surface level relationship. My dad struggled with a lot of addictions in his life, struggled through life. Maybe some of you can really attest to that. This struggling through life, pushing the rock up the hill of life, just struggling. And as I found Jesus, my life changed. And in college, I was able to lead my dad to the Lord off of an opportunity just to show him Christ. 
And in that moment, God did a miraculous thing. He healed his heart and began to break all of his addictions. And it was wonderful and amazing. But how many know just because Jesus has forgiven you doesn't mean the consequence of sin doesn't still sting. Went on to be in the NFL. And then out of the NFL, I came out and my dad said, hey, let's, let's go tell our story to people. of God's redemption story. Me, you, Jesus, it's gonna be awesome. I said, great. So we began writing a book together to kind of tell our story. And as we're driving to go and begin this journey, my dad starts crying in the car next to me. And I looked over him. I said, well, what's wrong? He's shaking. And he said, I'm scared. I said, well, what are you scared of? He said, I'm scared that when you hear my story, you'll never forgive me. We're about to tell our whole stories, good, bad, and ugly. And he looks at me and he's crying. He said, I don't think you're going to forgive me. And the grace of God came upon me in that moment. And it reminded me of that verse, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And I looked over him and said, dad, you don't have to be scared. I forgave you a long time ago when you didn't even ask for it. Shame on me if I can't give freely as God has freely given to me. And I refuse to walk through this life and walk through this world as a child of God, trying to just keep the peace. I want to make peace. I want to make peace. We're called to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. But God did it first. God always goes first. You're never going to do something before God. He always goes first. The question is why? Why did God forgive me? Why did he forgive us? Why did he forgive you? Here's why. Please don't miss this. Please, please, please. This caps it all off and we're closing. God forgave us through his son, Jesus, because family is worth it. that in the garden in Genesis, everything was broken and busted because of sin. In order to atone for that sin, God said, you can't own it, but I will. So he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, to take our place, to atone for that sin, to account for our sin. And in that, it reconciles us with our heavenly father. Why? So we can have family again. Everything in this word stems from family. God said, even when you don't want peace, I'm going to make peace with you. He always went first. And you know, the great part about being a, a child of God is when we're peacemakers, we begin to look like God too. My five kids, I'm so thankful they... My, all, my, all my kids have a little bit of me in them. They look a little bit like me. The lucky ones look like most of their mama, but the, the other ones look like me. But listen to this. When we make peace, we begin to look like our heavenly father. This is not about whether we feel like it. It's not about whether we want to. It's about being peacemakers and as peacemakers, it says, then 
And only then you're going to be a child of God. So Father, right now I thank you. I'm not ignorant right now to the fact I feel the spirit moving. I'm not ignorant to the fact that some of this probably picked off an old wound, an old scab for you. I'm not ignorant. I don't want you to push that away. Some of you might be going, well, I can't make peace, Pastor Chris, because that person's not here anymore. Maybe they've moved on. If the peace can't be with somebody else, then the peace has to be with God. If the peace can't be with that person, it has to be with God. But there's some old wounds that I feel like God doesn't just want to cover over with a scab anymore. He wants to heal completely and totally. So this morning, in the name of Jesus, I pray your healing power right here and now, God. Heal the brokenness in us. Heal the wounds from family, God. Heal the wounds from those that we love the most. And we know it's going to continue to happen, God. But just like you've covered our sins yesterday, today, and forever, we pray, Lord, that we would forgive yesterday, today, and forever, Lord, displaying your glory and your goodness. And in that, I pray healing would come to each relationship, God. I thank you that you don't tell us that we have to be peace achievers. You tell us we need to be peacemakers, God. This is not about what we can do, God. It's all about what you can do. We thank you for that today, God. Meet each and every single person in their darkest of needs right now, God. Because you're a God who cares. Blessed, happy are the peacemakers, for they are called children of God. This morning, I want to offer that to you, to be called a child of God. You're not called a child of God because you make peace. You're a child of God because you are born again into the family of God. It's called being born again. It only happens once. I didn't ask if you were a church member or you were baptized or christened. Those are all great things. I asked you, have you been born again? Have you been born into that family of God? You might be going, Pastor Chris, how do I do that? It's as simple as A, B, C, A, we just admit we're sinners in need of a savior. B, believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to cover our past, present, and future sins. And C, we confess him as savior. He saved us from our sins. And as Lord, he is boss over our lives. And today I wanna give you the opportunity to enter the family of God by being born again. To know that your sins are forgiven. And at the end of the day, you know you're gonna have a place in heaven, but you have heaven here on earth as well. It only happens once, just like your physical birthday where you were born once. It, your spiritual birthday only happens one time. But in just a second, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to do something bold. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. And by raising your hand, you're committing by faith. You're, listen to me, your hand does not save you. Your faith, the Bible says, faith in Jesus is what saves you and makes you born again. But on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. By raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor Chris, pray for me. Matter of fact, we're all gonna pray together. So on the count of three, if you're going, uh, include me in that born again prayer, Pastor Chris, I want to be born again today. One, God has called you here for a reason. It's not an accident you walked in here today that you're hearing this message. Two, he's calling you home and has been for a while. 
Three, I want you to raise your hand now. Raise it, wave it at me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I see you, 21. Awesome, praise God. 22, 23. Awesome, put your hands down. One more opportunity. If you raised it once, you don't ever have to raise it again. It's the assurance and the glory of God. God, Jesus only died once. He didn't die 10 times, he died once. You only have to raise your hand once. But if you said, I should have raised my hand this last 10 seconds for you, I want you to raise it now with no hesitation. Wave it at me, join those 21, 22, 23. Awesome, wonderful. Well, church, with all those that raised their hand, we're all gonna pray this prayer together. Repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from my sin to be born again. Say this with me, God is my Father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give it up for all those who prayed that prayer.